are still on series break, we will go back to the Gospel of John next week. So next week we will continue our series line by line preaching, verse by verse preaching on John. Uh, today, like last week, we will be discussing about husband and wife. And uh, last week we we preach on the text from Ephesians chapter 5, and right now we will be looking at 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, and the title of today's message is Blessings of Submission. Peter instructed the believers to submit to human institutions, whether the emperor or a local governor. For such is God's will, and we'll find that within the context. The context meaning before uh, chapter 3 is chapter 2. You'll find that in verse 13. That's why in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 3, the word likewise, there was a series of discussions before that. First, submit to human institutions such as the emperor or the local governor. Of course, Peter, when he says this, he's not universalizing the instruction. Universalizing the instruction means do everything they tell you, even sin. No, this is more of a generalizing the instructions. Obey the laws because the law is supposed to protect us from, from harm. Uh, just like the Philippines, you cannot say, well, I have my own thing. I'm not going to drive on the right side of the road. I don't like that rule. You see, I'm from a country that drives on the left side. So I'll just do whatever I want. Laws are there to protect us most of the time, of course. Be submissive to the local governor or the emperor. He further explains that servants should be subject to their masters. And of course, today in our culture, we may not have master and servant relationships, but we do have our bosses, people in authority, those who manage our work. And the thing is, everybody must submit somewhere. Everybody submits somewhere. Even the president of a company must submit to their board. And if it's a single proprietor, they should be submitted to the laws of the land with regards to business. Everybody submits somewhere. Now, there are people who have this free spirit and they prefer to rebel. Uh, you can start a revolution when necessary, if necessary, but some of it are, it's not worth fighting for. Don't fight for every little thing. Don't waste your time and your life. Some things, just submit. There's blessing in submission. Peter then encouraged the believers who suffer for doing good. The context of the writing, like in most New Testament letters or in, during the New Testament, there's a lot of persecution. When we say persecution, it's not necessarily always physical bullying that happens. It's discrimination because they believe in Christ. It's because they say Jesus Christ is Lord of all, not Caesar is Lord of all. Because of those things, they get persecuted. There was persecution during this time and there was suffering because there's some form of discrimination. So can you imagine Peter telling the believers that submit to these governments even though they discriminate you? 
follow the law, things that you must follow for the sake of order. Then he encouraged them in terms of that master-servant relationship. Peter then encouraged the believers who suffer in doing good, which was part of the calling in Christ. Although, then he made, makes a, a discussion about Christ using our Lord as the example. That although Christ committed no sin, he suffered. And when he suffered, he did not threaten back. He did not threaten back against those who crucified him. But he did say his capacity when he, when Peter tried to defend him and drew his sword, uh, the Lord told Peter, I, you don't have to do that. I can command legions of angels. So you don't have to do that. So when he was dying on the cross, he did not threaten back. In fact, he said, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Then instead of threatening, he trusted in God who judges rightly. It is God who judges. So he died. He went through the process knowing that there was a purpose. I will come closer if you will be quiet. You can hear me. Christ took their sins upon himself. Paul reminded, I mean, Peter reminded those he's writing that, hey, our Lord suffered. And he reminded them of the gospel that he bore our sins upon himself. So he was saying that, look, our Lord did not threaten back. Then he inserted the gospel. In fact, he bore our sins upon himself. And then he mentioned that he is the great shepherd, a theme that he will still discuss in chapter 5, which we can take as implication for husbands later on, as shepherds. Peter would then instruct wives to submit to their husbands even, even if the husband disobeyed the word. And that seems to be a, a difficult thing to command, to instruct. I have to warn you, when you come to me for counseling, I will listen to you and understand your suffering. But then I have to tell you what the Word of God says. First point, wives. Wives influence through submission. Peter instructed the wives to submit to their husbands. He further encouraged the wives with disobedient husbands to win them. Take note, to win the husband over to the word of God through their respectful behavior but using no words. It's not literally no words that you don't speak at home. It's more of a parallel to what Christ did not threaten back. Again, the context is suffering because if many of us know that if a wife is a believing, is a believer and the husband is disobedient, it's possible that Peter is mentioning different kinds of husbands. One, those who, who are not in the faith, and we know that many of your experience, if you obey one to obey God, but your husband does not, in a way, you suffer for the lack of unity there. Another is the absence of the fruit of the Spirit definitely 
because when he's rude and angry all the time, there is suffering in the family, not only for wives, but also for children. Now, saying the example as, as Christ, who did not threaten back. So we're not saying don't say any word. We're not saying don't threaten back. And it will be discussed further as we look at the verses. Verse 1 says, likewise, likewise wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word, they may be one without a word. The verses are also in the bulletin, if you'd like to read it with me. Without a word, by the conduct of their wives, how are they one? Through behavior, not with many words. And I think many will support this, that many words do not work on men. They will follow you, but it will be harder for them to love you. And all the men agree? Yes. <laughs> so I have to say, don't treat your husbands like one of your children. He's not. He's working at the level to partner with you, to support you, and, and, and you support him, vice versa. We should work at the level of partnership, but the temptation to be in command is a curse given in, in Genesis chapter 3 because of the fall of the sin. It says there, and for, the, for Eve, your desire will be for your husband. It is not to desire the husband, but it is to lord over the husband. That's the context. To lord it over. And wives, some of us feel that temptation, correct? <laughs> Yeah, when he's too slow, when he's not decisive, when he keeps saying, I don't know, and he's not doing anything about the problem, you feel like you want to take over. But sometimes he's doing everything and you still want to take over. <laughs> if they're disobedient to the word, you cannot win them that way. You cannot change them. You may try, maybe on the external, you might change his behavior a little bit, but inside, it does not change. In fact, it won't work for most of us. It won't. Well, Pastor, I keep saying to him, that's why it doesn't work. You keep saying. <laughs> when they see your respectful and pure conduct, I think that word respect is also found in, in Ephesians 5. Women must be cared for. And we know you take care of us husbands as well, but more than your care, what we need is your respect. Even if sometimes you forget about something that cares for us, that's actually okay as long as you keep respecting. You lose that, you make it difficult for us to love you, as I instructed the men last week, make it easy for the wife to submit to you by nourishing and cherishing her. I say the same things to wives right now. Make it easy for the husband as well. By what? Your respectful and pure conduct. The wife should follow the example of Christ who trusted God, who judges rightly. He trusted God despite the suffering he endured. If wives suffer because of disobedient husbands, she must remain faithful to the instruction. It is God who will judge rightly at the right time. It is God who will judge. It is God who will discipline. You have to trust in that. 
You have to trust that God is sovereign and He is in control. And suffering might come in different forms, but I'd like to guarantee you that's part of being a believer. <clears throat> suffering purges us. It shapes our character. The modern preachers of today guarantee prosperity. And I'd like to say at times it is God's will to bless some of us more than others. We know that there's a King David in the Old Testament. But there's also John the Baptist in the New Testament. Who was very far from King David. And God has a different design for each one. In their context, the suffering was more of persecution and discrimination because they believed in Jesus Christ. We may not have that issues today, yet God still brings suffering to us one way or another to teach us patience, to teach us kindness, so that under suffering, He wants us to remain faithful. It is a training. So when the worst problems come, we should be founded in God's Word. We'd rather obey God than men. We'd rather obey the Word than peer pressure. We'd rather do what the Word says rather than what society says. We are fine being discriminated as long as we stand on God's word. And it is a consequence we happily receive. I remember the teachings of Jesus that blessed are you if you're persecuted, and of course persecuted in his name. It is a blessing. In what way? In many ways, but it's first internal. So wives who suffer because of disobedient husbands now, I didn't clearly say whether the disobedient husband is a Christian who's somehow being disobedient at this season, or really somebody who is not a believer, who does not believe in the gospel, who does not submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It did not specify, that's why there are no conditions. It means we still have to obey. Wives, there is a blessing in submission. And Peter will explain that. Second point, not external, but internal. Peter explained that external beauty does not win a disobedient husband. Now, some would misquote this verse and say, women should not make themselves beautiful. And that's a problem with out-of-context out study. You just pick a verse and pick a verse and pick a verse and form a doctrine. That's crazy. We study this text based on the context. I will read verse 3. Do not let your adorning be external. The braiding of the hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight which in God's sight is very precious. Now the context is what? Winning over the husband to the word. The context is you cannot do that with external beauty. It's not saying don't fix yourself. God, please fix yourself. In the name of the Lord, I appeal to you. But he's saying that it's not that. Some would go over the top to make themselves so beautiful, thinking that that is the process to win the husband to the Lord. That is not the process. But don't stop. Just don't think that's it, because your mind might be too earthly in doing this. It's not supposed to be earthly. And Peter explained, 
external beauty does not win a disobedient husband. To lead him to obedience, the wife should cultivate a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious to God. Such were the ways of God with women. Verse 5, For this is how the holy women, who hope in God, used to adorn themselves. How do they adorn themselves? By submitting to their husbands. I warned husbands last time, God calls them to submit, but we are not called to abuse. That's why there's an instruction to nourish and cherish, and there are instructions for us here as well, and we will get to that. But first, to the women, how do you adorn yourselves by submitting to their own husbands? As Sarah obeyed Abraham. Peter used a human example. Sarah, whom they call mother. Sarah obeyed Abraham. Oh, can you read that together? Sarah obeyed Abraham. Sarah obeyed Abraham. Read the next verse, uh, next line. Calling him Lord. Calling him Lord. Sometimes I ask my wife, please call me Lord today. <laughs> Sometimes I like it, you know, with an extra spice, call me my Lord. <laughs> I don't like to use the Filipino word because we feel it's too much, because the Filipino word is panginoon. <laughs> Small P. But you know I'm talking about the market. Kind of like it though, but I do that. Go in the Lord, small L. Not Lord. Again, it is a sign of respect. Now, we're losing this because our concept of equality has changed. We think equality is exactly the same. No, I believe equality is complementary. But what does that mean? Complimentary. There are definitely some things that my wife is better than me, and there are definitely other things that I'm stronger than her. And that's how we work together as partners. That is in complement to one another. We see equality sometimes as exactly the same thing. Sometimes we're so challenged about it, our concept of it, it's just like when we were kids, when my mother would buy it. Soft drinks, which we rarely drink, trying to protect us from the evils of it. But I know there are some things at home we are so excited as kids, and me and my cousins would have to pour it out exactly on the same line. That's equality. Now, some of us are more clever. They just have a bigger glass, right? A fatter glass. And sometimes that's how we think today. It should be equal. Should our food servants be equal? What if there's a little boy and me? What's equality? Do I need more? Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Now, let's move back to the gentle and quiet spirit. What does that mean in the context? Definitely gentle is humility. The part where we are meek. The word gentle and meek goes hand in hand. Or it's the same thing. To be meek about it. To be quiet. The Greek is literally quiet, but in the context, the usage is what? You're not disturbed. You're not afraid. 
He might behave that way. You are not anxious about it because you are trusting in God who judges rightly. You are at peace because you know everything has a purpose. You are at peace because you know God is in control. And if he does something disturbing, of course you should be concerned, but you don't need to be frightened. Without a quiet spirit, you worry about everything. You fear everything. Your decisions, your words is based on fear. The way you treat your husband, the way you raise children is based on fear. It's not very healthy. It's not very healthy. The quiet spirit. Going back to Genesis, you have to understand what they went through. God had to move them, instructed Abraham to move from their hometown to a place they don't know. Can you imagine that? Dear Abraham, or Lord Abraham, where are we going? Abraham says, somewhere there, but I don't know yet. Can, can you imagine that? Huh? Somewhere there. It, it's this land, but where there, I don't know. Imagine following a husband like that. Oh, yeah, you can say, yes, Pastor, I imagine. I don't only imagine, I live it. <laughs> Every time I ask him, what's your plan? And he says, I don't know, something. Then he goes back to you, she goes, he goes back to you. How about your wife? Do you have a plan for us? And he'd rather submit to that. And that's why husbands let us grow in the grace of God. And we have to know that wives need a husband who thinks and who can decide. And when he decides, if he makes a mistake, live up to it and says, it was my fault. Haven't you realized it already? In God's book, it's always your fault. Oops. Yeah, the blessings of authority <laughs> comes with great responsibility. And it's not Spider-Man who said that, okay? <laughs> it's from the scriptures. Going back. Yes, you are in charge to protect the home. The family must submit. But if you make a mistake in your decisions, you say, it's my fault. I decided that. Now, if you let her decide, and she decided, it's still your fault, because you allowed her to decide. You get me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, they have to submit to you. They have to suffer you. Sorry, ladies, but can you say anything, man? <laughs> That's not anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do not be frightened of anything, because that's where you trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And He will find a way to convict your husband by His grace. And you don't have to say, I told you so. No need. But enjoy watching the process of the humbling of your husband. If you say something, you lose. You lose the precious moment that he's beginning to humble himself before you. Knowing you were right, I was wrong. You should be satisfied inside. No need for it. <laughs> told you. <laughs> you, you lose the moment. You lose the moment. And the next time he's got a chance, he's going to say, Oh, yeah. 
living in the land. I can imagine maybe Abraham lost some of his servants. They had to go to Egypt. And Pharaoh says, what a beautiful woman. Abraham coming in. They might kill me because of you. Since you are my distant cousin, I'll say you're my sister. Ah! Of course, God used that to enrich Abraham because Pharaoh tried to, well, made her part of his harem, his wife. And then he got sick and everybody got sick. Or no, or in a dream. That was, okay, it's confusing now. There's Pharaoh and there's Abimelech. There's Pharaoh in Egypt and there's Abimelech and Gerar with a similar, not exactly the same, but with a similar story. But in both cases, Abraham got richer. Cattle and other animals from Pharaoh, a thousand shekels from Abimelech. So we can say that God blessed Abraham through the suffering of his wife. <coughs> Sarah went through that. Holy Lord. She was quiet in spirit. Doesn't mean she doesn't talk. She disagreed with Hagar. Doesn't mean she doesn't talk. That's not quiet. I, yeah. Doesn't mean she didn't talk. Didn't mean she needs to be quiet spirit. She wasn't frightened or disturbed. Perhaps in her mind, oh Pharaoh, you will get it. My God will share you. Because his, her husband was hopeless. He didn't have an army against Pharaoh. But God doesn't need an army. With just one word. In his time, in his way, Tyre was released from that. And it happened again. Quiet means you don't have money coming in and you have payables. Don't seek to blame, seek to pray and work on something. Let's work on something. Pray for your husband, yes. But don't be frightened. Have the fear of God, not the fear of the man or man or fear of situations. Husbands, understand and honor. Verse 7, you would want to read this. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the women as woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, a lot of modern women would say, we don't want to be called weak. It says weaker. But it is not a weakness that the husband should abuse her or exploit, but rather, it says here, showing first understanding, and second, showing her honor. <coughs> Gentlemen, understanding. Can you say the word understanding? Understanding. So, some of you, when you were not yet believers, you gather with your friends for a drink, no, lots of drink, and what you talk about is, I do understand my wife. Uh, you go to scripture, 
you talk to those spiritually mature, hopefully, to those who have training, especially those licensed counselors, they might introduce you to the fundamental differences, not universal differences, but fundamental, generally speaking, not universally. Like there, there are women that's stronger than me physically, they're always in the gym. They have bigger muscles than me. So we're not talking universally, we're talking generally. Would you want to marry a wife who's really strong and muscular, good in martial arts, gentlemen? No, oh, she'll protect you. <laughs> uh, now, understanding, in an understanding way, shall we honor to the woman? Well, physically, that's why in history there's such a thing as well, chivalry. And today we still have that phrase, a gentleman, and I pray and hope that all of us in GCF Naga would be gentlemen. We still open the door for them. We don't make them carry heavy bags. Sons should learn quickly. Sons should practice this. Sons should be trained so that when they grow up, it's there. Why should we give up our jacket for them? Well, it's, it's a medical thing that their, their skin is like a few percentage thinner compared to us. So what do you do? That's why you share your jacket. She's more emotional. Perhaps a lack of blood, monthly. Understanding is something that we must do. It's a good idea to, when you say you have a date, it's not just a date to watch a movie. It's not just a date to do something, but it's a date to listen to her about her. How are you? What are you going through? I want to know your stories. And even though you get tired with so many words because men talk, we don't use so many words, we'd rather golf, hit the ball and walk. How are you? And we answer it in the next hole. We'd rather bike and just talk about the experience of the bike going through that difficult place. And we like to talk about it, but we can't just sit down and talk. Well, men can if they read a lot of news. They talk about the news, but not so much about us. We're not used to that. What did we go through? Uh, I went through a really difficult week. Oh, very few men say that. We say it after the fact. After going through it and being victorious, we say, that was a difficult week, you know? <laughs> no, but, but she would like to talk about what she goes I should just like to express at times not always about finding a solution. We have to remember their fellow heirs. And here that we have we don't have a problem with that, but in the society of this time where instructions were mostly to men 
Peter had to remind them they are fellow heirs of the grace of life. You have to do this. You understand them. Live with them in an understanding way. Show honor to the woman as a weaker vessel. Treat them as fellow heirs so that, here it is, so that your prayers may not be hindered. So ladies, God defends you. If he does not do this, nothing's going to happen to his prayers. Even if he says, Lord, I want to die, take me home. Not going to happen. <laughs> he will have to suffer. He will have to suffer you sometimes. <laughs> but his prayers may not be hindered. And here we must understand that God is a defender of the wife. Because she's instructed to submit. As God is a defender of the Christian or the believers who are persecuted, God is the rewarder as well in eternity. Having this mindset, the word repentance is a change of mind, a change of perspective. If you don't change your mind, you have not repented. And we have to repent of misconceptions that we have. What does this mean? To honor her means husbands should not abuse their wives physically or emotionally. Instead, husbands should honor them as fellow heir in Christ. Moreover, they should exhibit traits of a shepherd. Husbands exhibit traits of a shepherd. And that would be in chapter 5 as well in 1 Peter 3. And that's not too far from the instructions of Paul to nourish and cherish her. Nourish is to take care of his mental, emotional, physical well-being. To cherish her, to feel, make her feel that she is warmly loved by us. No, she knows you love her, but she doesn't feel it at times. Why? It's how God made it. She just doesn't have to know it. You have to make her feel it. Now, how to do that? Do your own personal interview with your wife. You know, sometimes our problem is we ask other men how to do it. How, how, how do I tell her I love her? Man, you should try this. You're talking to somebody who's also ignorant about it. It gets worse. Now, some men know more than you, but your wife is uniquely yours. That means you have to do your own research. You have many ways to do it. In your dates, you... Slowly ask her. If you can't do that, use your children. <laughs> yeah, at least your children will do something good for you. You have to protect and care for her. Otherwise, what? Our prayers will be hindered. It affects our spiritual life. Importance of the wife. I'll try not to prolong your suffering. <laughs> Just a few more points in application. Wives submit. Wives should submit to their husbands, even if they're disobedient to the word. Like Christ, they should endure. The wife should endure difficulty while trusting to the sovereign Lord. The hope is the probability of winning their husband through good behavior and taming the tongue. Now, James discussed that. The tongue is wild. 
heart control. Wives, next instruction, don't worry, trust God. Wives must find inspiration from the godly women of ancient days like Sarah, who submitted to Abraham without fear. One, she was not afraid of Abraham. She wasn't afraid of the situation. She wasn't afraid of Pharaoh or Abimelech. That's how she adorned herself. Imagine that composure as a woman. She called him Lord. So husbands, I encourage you to call her my dear or something else. Ladies, call him my lord. <laughs> Sorry, just a suggestion. Okay? <laughs> if you say, I'm not ready, I can't do it. Okay, it's fine. And just remove the L, my lord. Okay? <laughs> or my lord. Remove the D first. And later on, you'll, you'll, you'll mature to it. My lord. should cultivate not only the wife, the singles. Hello. What should you cultivate? A gentle meekness. You submit to authority. Likewise. Submit to the present authority, your parents, your school. Quiet. You're unafraid. Learning that you need, we need the grace of God to learn these things. You cannot be on our own. You cannot be just watch self-development videos on YouTube. It doesn't work that way. It needs a supernatural work of God through meditation of the Word and through our reliance on His Holy Spirit to transform us. That's what we need. It's not about, not about spending a hundred hours with your best friends hoping that you learn it. Hoping that your best friends also apply it, by the way. What if they don't? You become who you're with most of the time. Cultivate that and do not easily fear or worry. Husbands, understand and honor. Husbands should live with their wives in an understanding way by recognizing and respecting their physical and emotional weaknesses. Moreover, husbands must remember that she is a fellow in Christ. Finally, husbands must also heed the warning that their prayers will be hindered if they do not. A shared tear, a piece of poetry, Inspired by the text, titled, entitled, Blessing in Submission. There is a blessing in submission. Thus careful with your reaction. Why submit that to your husbands and trust everything in God's hands? It is divine institution. Since the days of the creation, win him to the word with no word. Through behavior you shall be heard. Gentleness, that's the humble part. Quiet, unafraid in your heart. Scripture says that's inner beauty, such is the way, not vanity. Husbands, our wives, our fellow heirs, take note that our Lord truly cares. God expects us to understand every husband across the land. Respect the area she's weaker. Heed if you're a wisdom seeker. The Lord defends the faithful wife. Treat her well. For your prayer life. Let us all Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your word.
thank you for your instruction. Teach us to love you and fear you, to apply your word, knowing that there, there's blessing in it. That the instruction itself is a blessing. And we pray that by design we would follow you. How we can make this work in our homes. And for the many singles to prepare well in mind and heart. Hoping and believing I pray that they would marry godly spouses. Who know the gospel. Who know your word. Who fear and love you. Pray as well, Lord, for every family here. None of us are perfect, yet by your grace, through our imperfection, you work. And we pray, align us to Scripture, be glorified in our lives. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Amen.